This podcast includes unapologetic logic and reason and may not be suitable for all audiences. In a world full of nonsense, he's been called the voice of uncommon common sense. He sees the abnormal that many find normal. Author and award-winning speaker, he is Chris Welcome back. I know the podcast is a little late today. It happens. What was going on? Well, it was a little, little campaign event last night for Nancy Price, a little fundraiser that went very well. I could talk about that, but there's other things to get to today. Before I do, I want to mention I'm going to be back on Sunday with Matt Melvin, author of Bully Behind Bars, short little podcast, and uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the book and Matt's story He's a pretty entertaining guy, so I think it'll be fun. Back here Wednesday with a couple of bullet points for you. Don't miss it. Live, it's always a little different, a little different sound, a little different tempo, yada, yada, yada. Well, I was thinking recently about the book Generation Kill. Maybe you've heard about the movie. Maybe you've heard about the, I think there was like a TV series about it. I think the whole thing started with a a series of articles that was done, uh, I want to say, in... um, Rolling Stone or some sham magazine like that. Are there any good magazines left anymore? I don't know. Not many. I bought my I, my daughter a horse magazine. That was pretty good. Mostly photos. Mostly images. You gotta just stick to that. At least they're still honest. Well, maybe not, right? Maybe not. What what can you believe that you see in the media? Well, that's I think partly why I was thinking about this movie Generation Kill. Indirectly related to fake news and the deception that we see going on. But I want you to understand this story a little bit. Generation Kill is written by a guy who was embedded with 1st Marine Recon in during the invasion of Iraq in 2003. All right? And one of the stories that they talk about in Generation Kill, right, these young recon Marines all – hopped up with their uh, uh, toxic masculinity and their weapons of war and, you know, all this uh, demonizing. You know, they're the radical extremists that that are on the front lines of the Marine Corps. Does that make sense now? It's embedded with them. So you can imagine the stories that they were uncovering. This was at a little different time, though. Even, Even all the way back in 2003, 15 years ago, guess what? Men were still allowed to be men, even just 15 years ago. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, we actually encouraged uh, battle-ready men who were able and willing to fight. This is coming off of 9-11 when people still remembered that. People still believed in fighting for the sovereignty of the country. I know things have changed a lot in a short period of time, but if you read the book, you'll see what I'm talking about. They were celebrating the the valiant work of these young Marines. Amazing. Celebrating their toxic masculinity. Thank goodness we've evolved in this short period of time that we know now how evil these white men are. I'm being sarcastic, of course. But here's the point I wanted to get to, aside from the sarcasm. In that book, the Marines from 1st Marine Recon are talking about the Battle of Kafji. You say, well, what does that mean to me? Well, 15 years after it happened, 2003, uh, well, it was 1990 that the Battle of Kafji took place, or 91, right? Was it 91? It was 91, wasn't it? January of 91 or December, January of 91. So what is that? Uh, 20 years, call it, round numbers? I can't do the math. It's it's a, I was up late. It's early in the morning. What do you want me to do? You do the math. Twenty. You call it twenty years later, fifteen, twenty years after the event happened, and these young Marines still know the story. And despite all the technology and Instagram and Face Crooks and all this other nonsense, Google and YouTube, guess how the story was being passed around? Word of mouth, simple oration. Something that the Marine Corps, I don't know, at least in 2003, they still saw the value of that. The spoken word, real, authentic, passionate, human. Imagine. But that's not the point. That's not the point. 20 years after this event happened and the young Marines in Generation Kill 
are talking about this battle of Kafji because there was Marine recon pinned down in the city of Kafji. You wouldn't know this from reading the accounts. You wouldn't know any of it. If you go and you study, if you go research the Battle of Kafji, and you were to do a simple sixth, seventh, eighth grade book report on the matter, it would say something like this: Iraq moved troops into the city of Kafji, where the coalition forces responded swiftly with air power, and and uh, um, the coalition forces quickly took back the city. And that is a freaking lie. Lie, lie, lie. Doesn't represent anything that happened there. As a matter of fact, the real reality is just the opposite. You want to know what happened? Those coalition forces, those weak-spined girly men that we espouse to be these days, turned around and left the Marine Recon Unit pinned down in that city. That's why the Marine Corps provides their own security. All this is being muddled down now, where they're getting rid of Marine Corps artillery, getting rid of Marine Corps armor, that they're going to rely on the Army, they're going to rely on this. And you know what it's ending up doing? It's going to be a complete weakening of the Marine Corps. The Marine Corps never had to rely on anybody. And the story of Kafji, if you actually listen to the true story, would be a perfect example of why. It was Marines that brought the Marines out of a difficult situation. It wasn't the coalition forces or the air power. It was Marines that brought those Marines out of there. So what does all this mean in in practical terms to the average person? That you had a, a major event involving probably tens of thousands of people on, on all sides of the equation between the city of Kafji, the Marines that were there and the Iraqi Republican guard. All these people there to witness what happened. Entire chains of command. Well aware of what exactly went on. Nobody stepped up to write the record. Nobody stepped up to tell the truth. And so, if you're looking today for information about what really happened, you won't find it. You can go back and and try to get some uh, firsthand accounts from people like me. But good luck. Good luck even finding those names or finding enough people that can cooperate to actually make a a coherent story. There's probably a few books circulating around that have the truth buried in it. But if if, if back in, in 1991 there was the capability of the government and the, the military industrial complex to pull off such a lie so willingly, what makes you think that today that they can't do it a million times better? The whole story, it, it, it's disturbing to me. The, the work that was done at Kafji, the sacrifices that were made, and what really happened, and to watch that credit and that recognition go to somebody else who not only didn't deserve it, but to a group of people that, not, I wouldn't even say stabbed us in the back. What do you call that when, when you're a Marine unit embedded with a, a multinational coalition force to help them, and as soon as the going gets a little rough, they turn around and abandon you? You're a small group of Marines there supposed to be helping who? These Egyptians, Qatari, these other so-called uh, multinational coalition scam. It was all just a front. They weren't doing anything. And, and the minute things got a little ugly, they, they turn and run and leave the Marines trapped there. As far as they were concerned, those Marines would have died there. Amazing, really, right? I don't know. Here's me at... 19 years old at the time, I remember when they brought the Iraqi APCs out of the city that we destroyed. It wasn't air power. We shot them. I remember standing there on guard. They brought these these armored personnel carriers out on these flatbed, all smoked up, stinking like burnt flesh, nasty, bringing them out uh, for some kind of regimental trophy. Why would there be a regimental trophy if it was air power in the multi, shouldn't we have given the trophy to the Qataris or the Egyptians? No. We take the trophy, all with a lie being told and uh, the stench of death all around it. I, me feeling guilty about it. 
I'm standing there feeling guilty. I don't know. But when you think about the ability to manipulate information and fool people, all the way back then, over 30 years ago, and now you look at all the technology and, and their ability to manipulate, and, and then you get into the deep fake stuff, really incredible. They've had a lot of practice at this little game of PSYOPs, and at this point, I don't know how you believe anything. The reason that I bring this up is I'm looking at the news, right, a variety of sources, and I'm going to tell you, there's no news right now, and I was afraid of this. You've got basically a, a worldwide economic collapse looming. Now, if you really want to be objective or subjective, I always forget how those words are used. I'm, not, I'm no English professor over here. I'm more in the uh, art of delivery than the you know, sentence diagrams. Subjective, objective, but whatever. You could say easily that we're always on the brink of worldwide economic collapse. The government's always run on these. Uh, it's the way governments are run. You only collect the taxes that are needed, and every year is a new year kind of thing in government for the most part. They make that a little more convoluted with the ability to borrow money. But at the end of the day, if there's nobody there to pay taxes, there's no government, right? If people aren't able and willing to pay the taxes, there's no government. It's all government does is take money. Take money from one, occasionally mix it with some, some personnel or other bought resources, and they actually you know, provide a service or, or some kind of a product, I guess. But not usually. Usually government's just taking money and, and giving it to somebody else. Without that, there's nothing. But here we are. We're sitting on the, on the verge of, of worldwide economic collapse. Uh, the Biden administration doing everything within their power to start World War III. Europe, you know, with this pipeline going down, this is, uh, environmentally speaking, this is as bad as the Gulf War, by the way. Speaking of Kafchi. All this methane is bubbling out in this, this uh, pipeline. Unbelievable, really. And there's really only, only one um, you know, uh, entity that it points back to. Now, I saw this report, oh, this occurred in, in Danish waters or something like that. And that it was probably the Russians. Well, who knows? How, do you, how can you be completely confident? It's 1,000 miles underwater. We weren't there. It's on the other side of the planet, just like Kafji. You think you're ever really going to get the truth? How can you? How can you depend on that? Somebody blew it up. Three holes pop up in this pipeline all of a sudden. They're saying that this, this rarely ever happens, let alone three. Clearly an act of sabotage. You going to believe that the Russians did it? The Russians sabotaged their own pipeline? Why would they do that as opposed to just turn off the gas? Say, well, they're trying to draw America into the war. Why would they do that? Why would they do any of that? All the news reports are, Putin wants to reunite the old former Soviet Union, and he's going to take over Ukraine, and then Poland, and then Britain. And, and meanwhile, Putin has never said any of those things. Now, there's some indications that there's a desire to reunite the old uh, Soviet Union. Is that so bad? And, you know, here's the thing, right? And, yeah, I don't know what to believe. I'm not jumping. I'm not trying to defend Putin or anything that's going on. I do not know. And I don't trust any of it. I don't trust the Russians. You can go look at the Russian news. You can look at the American news. You can look at the international news. I don't believe any of it. I don't know how you can. And I don't want to miss my point. My bigger point here is that there is really big stuff going on around the world and within our country, and, and it's not being reported. It's being concealed. Why? Well, because Uncle Joe and the Democrats want you to think that everything's good. You know, inflation is stabilized. Um, you know, we're, it's going to be a, you know, a little tough, but we're going to get through this, and Putin will be defeated, right? Everything's good. It's hardly even a war right now. COVID's over, right? Everybody's working. You know, jobs are good. You don't hear them saying that. You don't hear them talking about a strong economy. I mean, Joe doesn't really talk about anything. Right? He doesn't talk about anything. What does he talk about? It's, I can't believe the things that they uh, you know, accuse Trump of, Trump of being mentally unstable. And you look at what Biden's done, and it's like, no. <laughs> Strong as ever. I want to share with you a couple tidbits of an email I got from Peter. And I just picked this up before I uh, 
started the podcast, I thought this is actually a perfectly, it kind of explains on many levels what I was thinking. Thanks for the show. He says, information is good when delivered properly and honestly. Uh, appreciate what you, uh, what you give and how it's delivered and the diverse information. It's also impressive how you do it without the pillows, et cetera. So if you don't know, I'm always joking here on, not always, but I joke frequently on the podcast, uh, you know, how many podcasts are selling mattresses and pillows and, and such. And it's kind of funny when you listen to the, every, every week it seems like there's a new, a new better mattress, you know, uh, nothing's worse than a bad night's sleep. I mean, you, the, the commercials are so predictable at this point. And if you want a good night's rest tonight, check out the new purple <laughs> made from high memory octagon shaped cones, the latest technology in mattresses. If, if we would put as much energy into, into uh, curing cancer and, and things like that <clears throat> as we do in the mattress technology, we could really show some real tangible progress in this country. So I don't advertise on the podcast. Thanks for noticing, Peter. In other words, I don't get paid. In other words, I don't have telling me people that I have to sit here and say things that I don't believe. I don't have to sit here and say stupid things. I intend to keep it that way, at least for the time being. We'll see. I have no intentions of monetizing the podcast, I can tell you that. Uh, first of all, they would shut me down in a nanosecond. They're trying to shut me down now. Did I share with you guys? I don't think I ever did. Let me see if I have it here. This was a big deal I was talking about. It's Friday. We can bounce around a little bit. I'll get back to Peter's email in a second. Um, listen to this. I did a video on you. First of all, if you know, I don't even put anything on YouTube anymore. It's a way, and my suspicions were true, right? So I get this, uh, this email from YouTube. Now that's Google is the parent company. So if Google knows, Apple knows, Facebook knows. And hi, Christopher Scott, our team has reviewed your content. And unfortunately, we think it violates our misinformation policy. We remove the following content from YouTube. Here's the title. You ready? Free speech can't be caught, can't be bought. Free speech can't be bought. I didn't know the video was still up there. They say, we know that this might be disappointing, but it's important to us that YouTube is a safe place for all. If content breaks our rules, we remove it. If you think we made a mistake, you can appeal, and we'll take another look. Keep reading for more details. Blah, 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 blah. So I had the ability to, um, uh, whatever, uh, appeal this, which I did not. I could care less. I don't even use YouTube anymore. This is why. How is it that on a completely free amateur podcast, you could say, right? There's no money. So this is an amateur podcast. Just me, little old Chris, just a guy with a podcast. What's the big threat? Offering my opinion on the state of free speech as, as a Marine combat veteran, Somebody who fought to defend this country, what I can't have opinion on on the on the status of free speech that the, these nerds over at YouTube, right? How how many of them are white skinned? I want to know. Oh, you're not allowed to bring that up. I want to know for the people that are uh, since we talk about this so much, right? Obama last week talking about oh the, the white people are afraid that too many dark skinned people are moving to Arizona. They feel threatened. Really? Okay. Well, how many of the dark-skinned people over at YouTube feel threatened about what I have to say? Why don't we talk about that? Why don't we talk about who we're really talking about here? Huh? God forbid you bring up the ownership of YouTube and the ethnic breakdown of that and, and Google. Hmm? You want to get into that? No, you're not allowed because the minute you do, oh, it's just an angry, another angry white extremist. Oh, really? And meanwhile, you're going to silence me? You're not going to silence me. It's not going to happen. I could care less. I've already, I've already, I didn't even know I still had this video on YouTube. Whatever. But this shows you where they're going. I honestly don't know. I, I talked about this the other week. I don't know that the podcast can survive this in its, uh, in its current state. I, I talked the other week about the possibility of advertising to grow the podcast. And um, part of the reason why I'm very reluctant to invest the money in doing that is because they're going to shut me down at some point. It's coming. I can feel it. I can just see it. Podcasts, uh, they, you know, they want to control it. There's a pretty big market there. They want to commercialize it. Right now, advertisers, they don't really like a podcast. And the, 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 the tech and the, the powers to be that can have some controls over this thing, they want you to think, well, it's because of the misinformation and you never know what you're going to get with these amateur wackos. They're going to say whatever they want and nobody's checking and there's no regulation. 
they call that free speech, right? That's that they want to vilify that. It's people having their own opinions outside of what YouTube thinks. Imagine that. They don't want that. They don't want that. They, they, they say the advertisers won't advertise because of that, but that's not the reality of it. The reality is that, and this is another part of the reason why I don't do it, podcast advertising is, is so wildly ineffective. Radio advertising is barely effective, but that's only because you have a, um, a, geo, uh, a geographic restriction on it. To where you're playing to a local audience, at least you can promote local businesses. In the case of a national or international podcast, which this is at this point, we're in so many different countries. What, you know, what do you sell? Well, I can't sell the local landscaper. Nobody listens to this. You know, we have just a few listeners that are actually within my, my geographic area. Uh, I think we have Downingtown or, or Exton and some of my other, uh, you know, close friends and, and family and things like that. But, um, you know, other than that, that the audience, actually our biggest portion of our audience is in the Midwest, Ohio, Indiana, Illinois. And we have quite a bit out, like Wyoming, out in that portion of the country. That's where the, our, our listeners are centered, really. So what do you do? If you're a podcaster and you're advertising, well, you've got to go out to pillows and nonsense like that. Pillows and potions. It's really not much else left. I shouldn't say that. There's probably a number of things you could target. I guess you could do Amazon affiliate, but I don't want to get into all that. I'd rather be free. It just kind of defeats the purpose of the podcast. And I also recognize that you could really injure a brand by being associated with a podcast like this because people have strong feelings. I want to leave you with this, on, on, and I'll move on from this uh, topic a little bit, fan this out a little bit. You know, I have people that don't really talk to me anymore. In fact, it's just about everybody. I have strong feelings about this uh, politics and government. You know that over 13 years experience working in government, over five years podcasting, over 1,300 podcasts, many campaign events I've been to. Uh, so what does that mean? You know, I'm no uh, Sean Hannity over here. I'm no Dennis Prager, uh, whatever the case might be. But there's a certain perspective that I bring, and I know where I'm right. I know that I don't, I'm not saying I know everything about everything. I don't. You know that I'm not, I really don't know what's going on with Russia and Ukraine. I've openly said that. I don't know. I tell you when I don't know. But when I know, I know. Right? That's a fact. And I'm rarely wrong about that. Occasionally, I'm human too. And so as a result of that, I, I, things have become quite a bit more black and white to me than they might otherwise be the other, uh, other people. And I think that sometimes that's intimidating or uncomfortable. People need to find I get it. I get it. But at the same time, I've thought to myself as I look at what's going on, and I'll get back to the email. I think you'll see what I'm saying. And I, I just wish people would listen to me. I'm going to go into lunch later today with a good friend, a Vietnam veteran who's uh, planning to vote for, uh, for uh, Josh Shapiro for governor here. And I find it kind of heartbreaking. He bashing Mastriano, hates Mastriano, just because of his religious connection. It's interesting, this, this spiritual war. You put yourself out today as a Christian, and you got a bit of a problem in most circles. People don't respond well to that. Oh, religious zealot. Yeah, I guess. I guess that's what you'd say. You don't hear me preach in the choir all the time. Sometimes I bring it up, but am I a religious zealot? Is Doug Mastriano, because he, he believes in God and the salvation of, of Jesus Christ, believes the, the gospel of Christ, and it's brought him joy and, uh, and sound mind and judgment, whether you agree with it or not, What's the problem? You say we're supposed to respect other people and right and create safe spaces like you do, except for those dirty white Christians, not them. That's where we're at. You want to tell me that's not a problem? Peter says this. He says, not sure what the end game will look like, but real men will somehow, sometime, they're going to stand and it will be terrible that that has to happen, but I'm not seeing any clear options. Do you understand what he's saying there? He's saying something that Dan Bongino has, has said, that it will be men who know violence that ultimately put a stop to the nonsense. And sadly, 
it seems to be headed that direction. Why? Because people like Joe Biden keep wanting that. They keep pushing it. How long are you going to shut people down? How long are you going to tell people that because of their beliefs that they can't participate in the process and that you're just going to do things that you know uh, to be inflammatory and continue to do it and tell them that they just have to take it? You know, where good Christians say we value human life and we're not willing to pay for abortions. Ah! And the, and the crowd goes wild. Christian radicals. When you are that uh, inconsiderate of somebody's sincere beliefs that you're going to force them to pay for something that is against their religious beliefs, it's morally wrong. It is not the respect for religion and independent freedoms that this country once had. Peter says maybe the FBI will actually work for the people. He says the DEA is a, is a credible organization, uh, but not so much for the, uh, for the FBI. He's talking about the raid on Mar-a-Lago, and he said uh, he's applied. Peters uh, was in law enforcement. He said he's applied for all kinds of warrants, and uh, he says warrants should be very specific, and you have to explain the reason. And I also have obtained warrants, by the way. Uh, administrative warrants, not criminal warrants. But it is. It's a high burden of proof. You have to go to the judge, make your case. And, um, you know, they're, they're not the hardest thing to get a warrant in most cases. But they're not think, something that's just thrown around either. Peter brings up this uh, issue of the IRS with ammunition. No mention of type either. Was it for 38 or full-blown magazines? Good point, Peter. You know, you just assume that this is handgun ammunition that the IRS is, is uh, loading up on. Why is the IRS loading up on thousands of rounds of ammunition? Either way, when does the tax man, uh, who Peter says he's worked with many times seizing assets, no need for guns because they're working with the police, why do they need these guns? Nobody's even asking. How does it take place? He finishes up with this. Disgusted in our glorious country, hard to talk to anyone who agrees with this. They would be burning it all, disagrees, I think he meant to say. They would be burning it all down if, if Trump, if a Trump attorney general ever did something close to this. We need to find out real soon if we're leaders or followers. If we keep following, you explain the results. Not for me, not for my daughter's future. No thanks, I'll pass. Amazing, right? Well, it's, it's a sad state of affairs. It really is. And we're getting into uh, crisis territory. I got a bunch of stories I want to hit here, and we're going to run out of time, so I'm going to hit it quick. Uh, all these links and articles are here on the show notes at ChristopherScottShow.com. I know not many of you check it out, but it is here for you. I think you put a, a concentration of stories and links. You can check out the news a little deeper. I don't always go into every little detail about every article and every story. You can check it out for yourself, which I encourage you to do. His first story, discovery of fingerprint, quote, fingerprint, confirms alarming prediction of Greenland ice sheet melt. And what this story is telling you from NBC News, they go into this very eloquent, why it's so complicated to determine the exact sea level. This is going to come up here a little bit later, uh, but I want you to understand what they're doing here. This is the Obama tactic. Well, part of the problem is, because, I, listen, I say, look, where's the simple, tangible proof that the, the oceans are rising? That's all. Show me that the oceans have risen one inch. Show me easily verifiable proof. Simple. I'm a, I got an IQ of two. I'm not a smart guy. So dumb it down for me. Well, it's a little more complicated. So what they do is, hear me out here on this, Okay. They're going to say to you, uh, well, you know, the problem with, with measuring the uh, sea level, you know, you've got waves, so it's not like you can just, it's not like sticking a tape measure into a cup of water. You've got waves, obviously a giant body of water, where do you measure it? Waves moving up and down, how are you supposed to get a measurement on that? And people say, well, you would take the average. Well, it's not that simple. You've got tides, a low tide and high tide and... They're not all the same either because, depending on the position of the moon, you might have a really high tide and a really big wave. You see? The white extremists, they don't understand this talk. It's too complicated for them. 
because Whitey is concerned that somehow those waves are going to bring brown people. So he just wants to deny it. And so not only do you have the waves and the movement, you got the tides, you got the planetary effect on the rise and fall sea level. And so it's really impossible to determine the exact sea level. However, good scientific people who study these things with a science-based approach, not that goofy God-based approach and praying and nonsense, good scientists looking at this, and they've developed, quote, fingerprint, sea level fingerprint. We're going to throw a new term in there, like affordable health care, all a lie. We don't know what sea level is, but we found a fingerprint. A fingerprint. Now, I'm no genius. I'm no scientist, but I want you to look into a little something. It's called USGS, United States Coastal Geodetic Survey. And all around the country, all over the place. In fact, there's sure certainly one near you. Certainly within a few miles, there's these little markers. What do they tell you? They tell you the elevation that you're at. They can even measure with satellites now. Get out of town. Well, all that data is a reference to what? Right? Everywhere you go in this country. Here, we're about like 350 feet above sea level. Now, how do they know that if they don't know what sea level is? Well, uh, uh, uh. well then you get into a, a Biden. Why don't they let me ask Obama the questions or whoever's going to answer it? So I, I'm being sarcastic, and maybe I muddled the story here, but they come up with this mumbo-jumbo that it's very complicated and you're too stupid to understand, but let me tell you, let's call it a fingerprint. Yeah, keep believing it. Keep believing the nonsense, all lies. Anyway, fingerprint measuring the ocean. There, there's, no, there's no change. The Greenland is melting. Okay. It's going to freeze back up in the winter, trust me. Uh, I want to mention this as kind of a customer service announcement, especially going into the weekend. Sober October. Well, here it is uh, September 30th, so, you know, bottoms up, I guess. Today's the last day, but you're not going to be drinking for October. It's sober October. On a serious note, if you're a drinker, I do recommend uh, taking the month off. It's a good thing to do uh, for your health, for your mental health, for your wallet, for many other things. Uh, You don't need to drink every day. You don't need to drink every weekend. You don't need to drink all the time. And he said, well, when I go out, my friend will stop going out with your loser, loser friends then, and you won't have this problem. Well, I like to have a glass of wine at night. Really? I hear that. And I think it's a bottle, rarely a glass of wine. Take a break. Reset your system. It's good for you. Trust me. Um, let's move on to Russia here. I have here from Reuter, so don't tell me this is a conspiracy theory. Where's the, where's the, uh, no, that's not the audio I wanted. Um, I wish I had it here. You can check this link out. Back in January, Biden very clearly said, and very specifically when asked, he said that if Russia invades Ukraine, there will be no Nord Stream pipeline. A reporter asked, what does that mean? Biden said, we're going to shut it down. And the reporter said, how are you going to do that? Biden said, trust me, we can do it. So, how's Biden working with the military-industrial complex? And was that the uh, alliance that tipped the scales against Trump? You know, we keep blaming the FBI and the intelligence agency, but how much do the military supporters have to do with it? You know, the um, uh, you know, I read the book um, by, by uh, General Mattis. What the heck was the name of the book now? I got it right here, actually. Call sign chaos. Right, And he basically said the reason he didn't get along with Trump was because he believed in in having these partnerships, these alliances, and Trump didn't. Well, if you read into the book, which I I gave the book a thumbs up, but in terms of of Mattis and his political beliefs on these worldwide coalitions and the war on terror, the never-ending war on terror, which there was very few restrictions on what they could and couldn't do, and uh, no, I agree with Trump. It needed to end. Mattis was part of the problem. Mattis is part of the military-industrial complex. Not because he was evil and greedy. He had a different opinion. I don't agree with his opinion. We didn't elect Mattis. We elected Trump. So I don't know. You know, who blew up this pipeline? That's the key question. 
Is anybody going to be held accountable? Is the rest of the world going to allow the United States to get away with it? Are we in the new face of war that they're just going to uh, snuff people out, starve them out? Some it's a beautiful tactic, really. We'll see when the Europeans get very cold how well that goes. Not a good situation. I saw a video that said firewood is the new gold. Wow, some progress, right? Um, this is interesting. You know, people they say are fleeing Russia, men, because of the military call-up. Do you know that Russia is letting them leave? They came out publicly and said there's no legal consequences for people who leave the country and or come back. And I'll tell you what, that is an indication of what's really going on in Russia. I've said this many times before. You can have different forms of government, including communism and socialism, and they can work great under the right context as long as everybody is free to participate or not. It's when there's forced participation that you really get into the problems. And Russia's not doing that. Maybe they're saying to these, all these disloyal people, good, get out. We don't want to take care of you anyway. Russia uh, calls up the U.N. Security Council. They're going to blame the United States for this uh, pipeline bombing. Will the world listen? I doubt it. Kremlin, uh, Putin, looks like they're going to make these uh, regions where they had this vote that they're going to annex them as part of Russia. Now, they say the vote, you know, 92%, 88% of the people in Donbass and these other regions have voted to join Russia. Ironically, the liberal media and the liberal government here, ah, sham election. Election deniers, might you say? Hmm. Where's the evidence of, of any voter fraud? Where, where's there evidence that anything that Putin has done was enough to overturn the elections in Donbass? Hmm. Let's just turn this little script around. We know it very well. Let me keep going. we got a minute. On the economy, real quick. This is from Russian News. You won't hear it here. World Trade Organization warns of global recession. Oh, uh, Biden declares, uh, uh, clarifies comment on deceased congresswoman. Um, did you see this where he's asking for this woman? I got to play this for you here, but hold on one second. I got to pause here. Hold on. We're going to go a little long today, and I just needed to uh, make a little adjustment on the system here. You don't care. You don't even know. Great that you can pause a podcast, right? Not something we do too often. Um, so this really illustrates the point that I was trying to make earlier about Obama speak. Purposeful confusion and and the the clear lying. So Obama is doing some kind of a press briefing or something like that or, or talk somewhere. And uh, who was the congresswoman? This is the fingerprint article. I don't remember. I don't even know who this congresswoman is. But Biden's given this talk. If you don't know the story, and uh, he's like, you know, where's where's Gabby or whatever her name was, and she died a month ago, and he's so senile that he doesn't even know that. So. Uh, he gets questioned about this uh, from from reporters. So let me let me share with you the response from uh, Jean Claude Van Dame here. She has her little notebook, clearly prepared by Obama, and she's acting like a little Obama. Look, he was at an event. You all saw. You all watched, which is why you're asking the question, right? Where now that's a little technique, where they're building false consensus. Look, the president was talking, right? You know, we all agree on that, right? We, we, we were talking. Okay, yes. Once you get the yeses going. And so clearly the president was upset. Well, let's he continue. was calling out, again, uh, congressional leaders, uh, a bipartisan uh, leadership that we have seen on this particular issue. And, uh, and, you know, what issue, right? And she's got the eye movement, just like Obama. Fluttering her eyes and looking down and lying, sitting there lying to you. Uh, again, he's going to see her family in just two days. And uh, she was... Up and then the ahs and the ums come. You watch Obama because he needs time to think about what his story is. And, uh, uh, and look, you know, you're listening to the podcast and uh, uh, I'm talking and... Uh, uh, on top of mind. I mean, I don't. That is. I mean, that is. Uh, that is not an unusual, uh, unusual scenario there. I mean, I have John Lennon okay. top of mind just about every day, but I'm not looking around for him. Anyway. When you sign a bill for John Lennon, Lennon has president, then we can have this conversation. Okay, go ahead. So, go ahead. so then, she pulls the the magic trick at the end, right? Once the guy calls her on her BS, 
What do you mean at the top of mind? My kids are at the top of the mind. It doesn't mean I'm looking for them when they're not in the room. Ridiculous statement. So the reporter says that. He says, well, hold on a second. And just because somebody's on the top of mind doesn't mean I'm looking for them. And, and then what is she do? Oh, that, when you become president and you're going to sign a bill by John Lennon, then we can talk. And then just moves on and shuts the guy down. Amazing, really. So Jean-Claude Van Damme here has become completely comfortable at just telling the reporters to uh, go pound sand, basically. Just sitting there lying, fluttering her little eyes. Really amazing. Um... I think we're going to see more of that, this resurgence. I remember when Obama, I've said this many times, it was like Obama cast a spell on the country. I watched many local politicians begin to, to act just like him with the ahs and the ums and the, and the hand. And, and um, you know, on the issue of climate change, look, you know, whatever you want to believe about climate change, we, we're better than that. This isn't who we are as a people. We need, you know, cleaning up the environment shouldn't be an argument. We all should be able to get on board with that. We at least start there. And, and next thing you know, you're talking about nonsense. These people, they just keep talking until you can't take it anymore. It's like a, a form of coercion, uh, psychological operation. I can see it a mile away. I wanted to point this out. This is a huge, huge story. There is this huge pushback. Article here from Business Insider complaining about Britain cutting taxes to help the economy. Now, you look at what's happening here, right? The, the governments here, for the most part, have been and continue to take into this point, with the exception of the state of California, which is a real warning sign, there have been record amounts of tax revenue taken in. And I've brought this up before. It, it's our biggest expense. I can all but guarantee you the taxes are your biggest expense. Beyond your mortgage, beyond your food, beyond your student loan debt, it's the tax burden. Why, in a bad economic time, when the government's collecting all this money flush with cash, why would there be this pushback? Well, because the bankers know. The bankers know how insolvent these countries are, mainly us. We borrowed and borrowed and borrowed, and people say, well, it's just never going to get paid back. And I've said this before. Has anybody discussed that with the creditors? And you may be one of them. You may be your retirement fund where you're holding some of that, that government debt, right? You're holding bonds and, and T-bills and things like that. And you may be holding some of the government that you probably are in your retirement portfolio. I know we are. So what do you tell me? I'm not going to get paid back the money that I invested in the federal government? Your money's safe with us. Yeah, until it's not. What a sham. So here's my point. I think that this pushback, and you saw it here when Trump wanted tax cuts. Oh, how irresponsible. What? I never heard such a thing in my life. It's bothered me ever since I watched that happen here. And now they're doing it in Britain, too. Right, the politician. We got to cut this tax burden, and there's this revolt. It's not the people complaining. It's not the voters complaining. Here, you had voters complaining too. These boobas idiots. That, oh, they're responsible to cut taxes. What the hell are you talking about? To take less of people's money. Why? Why is it irresponsible for the government to lower taxes, but Biden will come out and yell at gas station owners, telling them to cut gas prices? Why is it okay for the federal government to take in record amounts of money? Use none of it to pay down the debt in advance, right? They just keep spending, 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 taking the money, and that's okay? But somehow the gas stations, they're making a profit, and they're taking in recommend. Oh, oh, they're price gouging. How is it not the federal government? I'd like to ask uh, Jean, uh, Jean-Pierre the idiot, the little puppet up there, how should we respond to that? What's the difference there, Pierre? Go ahead. Flutter your little eyes. Go flip through your little book at your little scripted answer. How is it okay that the federal government suck up all of our money, our biggest expense, they continue to take, 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 but somehow the, the, the gas station owner down on the corner makes a couple extra bucks and, oh, price gouging. Really? As long as it's going into your political machine, it's fine. But the minute that a, that a business owner who actually invested everything to start a business, blood, sweat, and tears, everything on the line, the minute they want to make a profit, white Christian extremism. Yeah, okay, because it's a lot of white Christians that own gas stations these days. 
Well, this indication of the pushback on the tax cuts is an indication to me of the dire circumstances that we're in, where these banks are going, man, I mean, they're barely making the minimum payments on this stuff now. It's coming down. It really is. Bloomberg reporting key gauge of U.S. economic activity points a picture of weakness. It doesn't paint a picture of weakness. There has been two consecutive quarters of, of a drop in GDP, which is the definition of a recession. But now they want to come back and say, oh, it's not really a recession because employment remains strong. The only reason employment remains strong is because there's a severe shortage. You've got this double problem. I would say to you that the economic indicators and things that we've seen in the past are, are all gone and irrelevant because things are wholly different right now. They printed way too much money. Dow drops 500 points, market sinks, uh, following flurry of worse, worrisome economic data. It's not just one thing to say that, oh, wow, yeah, the GDP dropped 0.7%. Uh, I call that stable. You know, just like the waves of the ocean, the fingerprint suggests that the economy's fine. I'm f I got plenty of money. I don't know what your problem is. Yeah. Meanwhile, they want to talk about the hurricane, hurricane, hurricane. Hur They're just blowing it up. Thank God a storm to, to distract everybody from the fact that we've taken every last cent out of their wallets. There's nothing left. Meanwhile, I'll throw this little story in. Lawmaker introduces rabies bill after a rabid fox bites his leg. Um, this whole story, you can read it here. Uh, what's this? Uh, Representative Ami Berra. Ami Berra, representative from California. Good news is he doesn't appear to be a white Christian nationalist, okay? He's brown-skinned. I know many of you whiteies are threatened by that. But listen, and now listen to what he has to say. He has this cockamamie story. This guy looks like he's never been out in a rural area in his life. But what do I know? I don't know him. And somehow he's on the steps of the Capitol or something like that. I'm exaggerating slightly. Where did he say uh, back in April uh, was first mistaken by the lawmaker as a small dog? It wasn't until he turned around that he realized it was, it was a potentially rabid fox that had back, latched onto his back leg. Well, anyway, he has this rabid fox that, that bites him on the, on the Capitol steps. Right. All this is very true, completely believable. Uh, and he says, I didn't know until I was bit the high cost of rabies vaccines. And they go on this whole convoluted story, kind of like the fingerprint story, uh, that basically in America, if you get bitten and you have rabies, it's going to cost about 10 grand to deal with that. And I agree, by the way, that's obscene. How do you justify that? Well, because most of these rabies vaccines are administered in hospitals and emergency room settings, and the kinds of blah, 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 blah. So what is the answer, of course? Well, for the government to throw money at it. Now, none of this creates inflation. No, this is serious. Proposing a bill that if anybody gets bit by rabies, that the hospital can submit the bill to the um, whatever the, the national health services is, and they'll pay it. And this is going to reduce costs for the taxpayer. What a bunch of idiots. No, doing nothing to actually bring down the cost. And so I'm going to tell you the reality. I guarantee if you look into this, I don't have any evidence for this, but my suspicions are that Representative Ami Barra is getting paid a lot of money to come out with this cockamamie story and push this rabies thing. But more importantly, is this really what's important? This is what the news is focusing on. With all the problems, illegal migrant busted for trying to swipe a soldier's rifle at the border. This guy, pretty angry-looking dude, brown-skinned. I'm afraid, as a white guy, I'm sure I'm just, I didn't even realize the natural fear that dark skin. <laughs> right? Oh, yeah. But otherwise, just a nice guy just looking to improve his life, right? Happens to grab a rifle at the border. What's to worry about? Right? None of these people, they're all good people, just looking for a better way of life. White House clarifies comment on deceased congresswoman I already talked about. Parent, uh, this is from USA Today. Parents were demonized for demanding schools reopen sooner. Now we know they are right. Doug Mastriano is pushing this heavily. I hope you don't forget this with this election season because God knows the Democrats do. 
Do you remember me pounding my fist about them keeping the schools closed? I was insanely angry. People have just forgotten what these filthy Democrats did to our children. They locked them out of the very schools, locked them out of churches, all while they allowed Black Lives Matter and Antifa to continue to burn our cities. Does anybody remember this? This is from the Epic Times. Sharp, sharpest life expectancy drop in 100 years has more causes than COVID. Yeah, well, when you lock everybody down and there's no treatment for things and you wonder, and you say, oh, there's white replacement theory. What a bunch of bunk. Oh, really? Why are white people dying? Why is it everything's being pushed brown people? You can't even open a, a website anymore. Find a white person. Find a white person in an ad. I don't know why they're thinking of the white conspiracy theory, these kooky white people. Why would they think that? Uh, gee, I don't know. Epic Times, the Fed fears something worse than a bear market. You can check it out. Um, listen to this. Do you remember the attorneys? Uh, that were firebombing cars during all the burning and looting. Well, now they're begging for a light sentencing. These people should be sent down with the January 6th people and get sentences just as long, should they not? How is it that you firebomb a cop car? But now he's having a little mental health crisis. Unions lost nearly a quarter of a million members after this court struck down mandatory membership. That tells you where their loyalties are. New fully self-driving Volkswagen. Here we go. This is the time I waited for. Uh, I also got a, uh, a note from our, our buddy uh, from Sweden said in China they've had the swappable battery. God willing, I'll be back on Sunday for the live interview. See you there. Make it a great day. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.